Well, church, if you have your Bibles, please open them to Colossians chapter 1 for a message entitled, Thank You, God, for Saving Me. Let me read Colossians chapter 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of, the, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is, be, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it, and understood the grace of God in truth, just as... You learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sins. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for saving us, for rescuing us from the dominion of darkness. And now we are in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are his, we belong to him. We have been saved, we have been set free. We were held captive, but you saved us. And so, Lord, we say thank you. We just ask that you would teach us, Lord, that we would get a sense of you today, that we would feel your presence, that we would be moved by your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. June 23rd, 2018, in Thailand... There was a soccer team, and there's a movie built on this scene. It's called 13 Lives. There's a soccer team called the Wild Boars. And these guys were practicing for an upcoming game. There's 12 of them. And the coach, and so they finish practice. They're in Thailand. It's beautiful mountains all around, just lush, like jungle. And... At the end of practice, it's one of the boys' birthdays. He's turning 17 years old. And what they said is, hey, to celebrate your birthday before the party tonight, let's go to the cave. Let's go to this cave. Now, this cave 
was massive. And so what they did is the boys got on their bikes, 12 boys with their coach, and they rode to this cave. They were all excited to have a little adventure before the birthday party tonight. It is said that one of the boys, his mom got him a SpongeBob SquarePants birthday cake. So imagine they were looking forward to that. And they thought, let's have a little adventure while it's still daylight before we have the party. And so the boys come to the entrance of the cave and they set their bikes there. They take their flashlights and they start to run into the cave. And you could imagine these young teenage boys. They're excited. They're giddy. They're running into the cave. Some of them have flip-flops on. Some of them took their shoes off. And then they start to go into the cave. I don't know if you've ever gone to any of the caves down at Lake of the Ozarks, but we did. We toured Bridal Cave. And so if you've done this, you know that when you go into the cave, it's light and it's hot outside if it's the summer. And then you go in and you see a huge contrast of the temperature. It gets cool and then it gets dark. And all along the way in Bridal Cave, there's lights. And so you're following these lights and you have a tour guide and you think, that's cool. And me, who's claustrophobic, is saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It'll be fine. And so as we go, there's in this cave, there's a part where you kind of have to, you know, you get a little bit skinny and you're like, okay, I'm fine because if I need to run that way, everything's going to be okay. So you're trying to comfort your small little five-year-old girl that's going to be okay. Meanwhile, you're kind of a little bit nervous. Me, I guess, one who's claustrophobic. So we go all the way back to the very end of the cave and then the tour guide says what? He says, do you want to see what absolute darkness feels like? No. <laughs> but I didn't see anything, and so here we are, and he says, okay, I'm going to turn off all the lights in the cave, and you guys are going to see what absolute darkness feels like. And so here we go. So he turns it off. Bam, and you're way back in this cave, and it is utter darkness. And you're waiting and then he turns the light back on. And you're like, okay, we will not die today. And as we leave the cave, you think, okay, that was a fun experience. So as I'm watching this movie and as I'm reading all about these real events of these boys, I think about that as they're going back into this cave. They go deeper and deeper and deeper in this cave. And from the mouth of the cave, they go all the way back almost two and a half miles into this cave. Now, here's the thing. It's June, and monsoon season doesn't start in Thailand until July. And so when the boys went in, it was a nice, beautiful day. But when they actually got into the cave, it started to rain, and monsoon season came early. But they don't know of the impending danger. And so they wind their way all the way back. They're in the cave. They get almost two and a half miles back, and they say, okay, let's turn around and go. And all of a sudden, their way is blocked by water. The cave had so much rain that now they are trapped in this cave. So imagine this. You're one of the 12, or maybe you're the adult, you're the assistant coach, and you are trapped in this cave. You're almost two and a half miles back, and you have flashlights. Utter darkness if those lights go out. You realize that you are in trouble. You cannot get out. 
the cave starts to fill with water. And what it said is they, they clawed their way and they made a little area where they could get up out of the water and stay to safety. Now, here's the thing. Time goes on, and next thing you know, the birthday party had started 7 o'clock, and none of the boys were there. Parents started to call the coach. Where are they? The coach then goes, and he starts to call every one of the boys and the assistant coach. No one answers their phone. But they find out the boys went to the cave. So they all rush, and they all see the empty bicycle sitting right there, but no sign of the boys. They start to panic, and they think, let's go get them. But then they, they soon realize that, guess what, the cave is filled with water. They are trapped. But they don't know if they're 100 yards back. They don't know if they're 1,000 yards back. They don't know if they're two and a half miles back. And so then the huge rescue op starts to happen. They call in the Thai Navy SEALs. So we have our American Navy SEALs. They have the Thai Navy SEALs. So they call in the Thai Navy SEALs. But there was these, this group of ragtag bunch divers that did cave diving, okay? They were not Thai. They were from other countries. And so they actually hear about it and they come there. And so now the rescue op happens and they think, okay, let's, let's first send the Thai Royal Navy SEALs in. They go in and it's too murky. They can't get to the boys. They have no idea where they are. And then they come out day after day after day goes by and still no sign of the boys. A week goes by. The boys are back there for a week. And finally, the, 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 the divers that are from another country say, just give us a try. And so the Thai government says, okay, that's fine. So these ragtag guys, they go in there and they start diving. They dive and they go deeper and deeper. And every time they get to another cavern, they come up and then they smell. And they're trying to smell either for death or for where people have been living for over a week. And as they come up to this cavern, they smell nothing. They go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then finally, they're almost two and a half miles back. They come up and they smell. And instantly, these divers said, we knew that there was people in there before we could even see them. And so they're looking around, and all of a sudden, over in the corner, there is a little light that turns on, and it starts to move. And so these divers are in the water, and they see this light moving towards them, and they're ecstatic, thinking, oh, wait a minute, maybe at least one of them is still alive. Now, meanwhile, when they were diving back there, it was so tight, it said, that they couldn't keep the tanks on their back. They had to wiggle through all the way through these tight, tight spaces in order to get back there. And we're talking in a cave two and a half miles back. And here's the thing is that they're going underwater and then they would, they would have to get out of the water and then cross a, a, a section of rock and then they would have to get in the water and then out of the water and go back, 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 back. And so they see these kids and they say, how many are there? Thinking maybe there's a few alive. They said there's 13. There's 13 of us because one of the boys spoke English. 13, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then everyone is ecstatic. They take this video, they're filming the boys. Like, oh man, this is great. But one of the divers starts to, starts to put it all together thinking, wait a minute. All these boys are going to die back here. 
Because there is no way that these boys who are inexperienced divers, some of them couldn't even swim, could do a two and a half mile scuba dive all the way back into a cave system. This was advanced for even the advanced divers. And so one of the guys is thinking, man, this is tragic. These kids are all going to die. So then they, they go out. They say, we'll be back. They'll bring food. So they go back, all the way back out. And then they say, they give the camera to someone. They said, be careful who you show this to. Because he's thinking, these boys are all going to die. We're all going to watch them die. Because there's no way we can get them out of there. And so what happens is the royal Thai government takes this, puts it on the internet, and then everybody knows that the boys are alive. The town goes crazy. People are so excited. The boys are, the boys are alive. The parents are hugging each other. Oh, everything is going to be okay. Meanwhile, one of the divers is saying, no, you don't understand. So he's talking to the governor of the area, and he says, you don't understand. All those boys are going to die back there. There is no way you will be able to get them out. Because monsoon season lasts for up to four months, even longer sometimes. So we can't just wait it out. So they devise a plan. They're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking. Wait a minute. There is an expert diver who's also an anesthesiologist. So what if, what if we take him, call him in, and we dive back and we fully sedate each boy, put a mask on him, tie his hands together, tie his feet together, and, and, and carry him out like a package. And they're telling this to the anesthesiologist. He says, no way. I did not come here to kill people. I came here to help. I'll do anything, but I can't do that. Meanwhile, that's illegal. You can't do that. It's never been done in the history of man. So we don't know a little bit too much of the shot. They're going to die. A little bit, not enough. They're going to wake up and they're going to struggle and they're going to drown. But he said, we're going to bring out 12 dead boys. And they're looking at him and saying, listen. If we do nothing, it's guaranteed that we're going to bring out 12 dead boys and the coach. Because guess what? In the cave, the small little area, the oxygen level is going down and down and down and down. Now it's down to 15%. It's at dangerous levels. And so they're thinking, if we do nothing, they die. If we try, they probably will die, but maybe one or two will live. So they get the Thai government together. They, they're in this little building. They close all the windows. And they propose it to this government official. And he says, listen, don't tell anyone about this. And in fact, when you're reading it online, they're really cagey about it. They, they don't really say much about it. Because this was a dangerous thing. So what they do? They swam, scuba dived all the way back there. They got each boy. Hey, come here. Imagine that you're one of those boys. They sit him down and they put a, put a, a wetsuit on him and they said, look up in the sky. Bam! And they stabbed him with the, the, the needle. And he's like, he falls asleep. They put a mask on him with oxygen. They said that he, one of the shots they gave him made it where there's no saliva so they wouldn't choke to death on the two to three hour journey as they took them out. And so what they do, they put their hands together, their feet, and they're totally sedated, blacked out, and they wiggle them all the way through. And they thought, okay, let's see if one survives. Well, one survived, two survived, three survived, four survived, all 13 survived 
survived. All 13 boys survived. They made it out. One person died as he was a former Thai Navy SEAL. He was trying to bring oxygen back to the cave and he ran out of air and he died. Another, another uh, of the Navy SEALs contracted a blood disease while he was going through the water and he died later on. So two people actually did die. But all of the 12 boys in the coach made it out alive. Now here's the point. How would you feel if you were in that cave? You're, you're two and a half miles back. You have no hope. There's no hope that you can get out. There's no hope in you that you're able to swim out. It's absolutely impossible. You need someone else to help you. And all of a sudden, these guys who have trained their whole lives to come and do cave dives have come to your rescue. So imagine that, that you're one of those boys and that you've waited there. It says that it was over two weeks until the first boy came out. So imagine that. Imagine going in June 23rd, and it wasn't until July 8th that the first boy was taken out. And imagine that you were one of those boys that was taken out, or you were the coach, and you're looking at your rescuers. How would you feel? How would you feel when you saw that light after a week of being in there? They had to conserve their battery on their flashlight. So imagine utter darkness, and they're just waiting. And after a week, think about that. Day one, utter darkness. Day two, day three, you're starting to get super hungry. It said that they drank the water that was coming in off of the cave walls. So imagine after seven, eight days, a light pops up and someone is there to rescue you. And then imagine this. Imagine that you were one of those boys and you had one of those shots. They put you under. You're in the back of the cave and you wake up in a lighted hospital room and you are safe. How would you feel towards those rescuers? Well, here's the thing. I bet you would feel very thankful. I bet you everything within you would say, thank you so much. You couldn't tell them enough how much you appreciated them and how much you thanked them. Look at Luke chapter 17. How would you feel if you were in this story? Luke 17, the Bible says that there were 10 lepers. So leprosy is nasty. It is, is a horrible thing. Let me read to you a definition of leprosy. It says, quote, permanent damage to the nerves outside your brain and spinal cord, including those in the arms, legs, and feet. Nerve damage can lead to a dangerous loss of feeling. If you have leprosy-related nerve damage, you may not feel pain when you get cuts, burns, or other injuries on your hands, legs, or feet. So imagine that you're one of these lepers. The Bible says that Jesus was traveling from Samaria to Galilee. And he enters a village. And as he enters this village, there's 10 lepers. And they come at him, but they don't come too close. They get like here and they say, Jesus, you know, heal us. Heal us. Guess what? Jesus heals them. And they walk away. 
He tells them, listen, go this direction and you'll be healed. They start to do what Jesus said. And then one of them, as he saw that he was doing what Jesus asked, he said, wait a minute, I'm healed. He turns around. Look in Luke 17 where we pick this story up. Luke 17 says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And they went and they were cleansed. So imagine that you're one of those cleansed, that you've had leprosy, you're an outcast. And then it says this, that of the ten, only one of them turned around to worship God and to bring thanks. Verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Imagine that's you. Imagine that you were cleansed of leprosy. You couldn't help by just going to Christ and bowing at his feet and saying, thank you so much, you've healed me. You've healed me of leprosy. Thank you. See, if you were one of those boys in the cave, I guarantee you would tell the rescuers, thank you. If you were one of these lepers, I could guarantee you, you would say, thank you. Thank you for healing me. Look at John chapter 11. You know this, the story of Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Dead one day. Dead two days. Three days. Four days. He's in a tomb. Starting to smell. He's dead. His sisters are so sad. And Jesus comes and he says, take away the stone. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus rose from the dead. Imagine that you are Lazarus, you are dead, but also imagine if you are Lazarus's family. This is my brother, man, we love him so much. We're so devastated that he's dead. Jesus shows up, he's moved. He says, move the stone, Lazarus, come forth. He makes a man rise from the dead. Imagine the thankfulness you would feel if you were one of those family members that your brother was raised from the dead, was physically raised from the dead. You would be extremely thankful. Now here's the thing, saints. We've all been raised from the dead. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Because here's the thing, here's the point of this message is that I want us to be stirred to thank the Lord for saving us. Thank the Lord for what has happened. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And we were dead. Saint, has that fully set in? Has it fully set in that we were dead? And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Look at verse 4. 
I mean, aren't these glorious words? Look at this. Look at verse 4. But God. Man, if everything is, is going wrong in your life, you think, yeah, but God. But God can do it. But God loves me. But God raised me from the dead. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great power, with his great love, with his, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Saint, here's the beautiful thing. is that being spiritually dead, God made us spiritually alive. And so we say, thank you. We tell the Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was spiritually dead, but now I am alive. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says this, He, that is God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So think about that. Think about the Thai cave being utter darkness. Think about you being all the way back there and some of you who have done the caves down at the lake know what utter darkness looks like. Imagine being there for over two weeks much of which was utter darkness. It said when they got the boys out, they had to wear sunshades for a time because their eyes were not used to the light. And so being in that Thai cave is utter darkness. But it says this, we were all born into the domain of darkness. The domain of darkness. But saint, we've been rescued. I mean, think about this. You didn't say, hey, you know what? I'm going to rescue myself. You know what I'll do? Just get me the scuba gear and I will get my, myself out of here. You weren't Lazarus all wrapped up in the tomb. and You're like, you know what? I feel really bad for my sisters. I think I'll just get up. That's not what happened. You weren't a leper and saying, you know what? I, I think I'm just going to heal myself. Be healed. And you're still a leper. And so, saying, I hope that you understand and you feel that you were born in the domain of darkness. Because I hope that you understand the depths of what that means because I think what will happen is that you will be overly thankful to the God who saved you. And your life is like, man, I can't believe it. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do. You saved me. I was trapped forever. I was in a domain of darkness. I couldn't see, but you saved me. 
But not only are we so excited that he saved us, we're excited that he saved others. Look at Colossians 1, 3 through 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. See, here's the thing, is that not only are we thankful that God has saved us, but I hope that you're stirred when you understand what God has done for those in your family that he's saved. Because the Bible says they were 100% spiritually dead. Dead people do not make themselves come alive. That is only a work that God can do. And how did he do it? Well, we know how he did it. We know that in order for us to be spiritually alive, God has to make us alive. What was the plan? The plan was the cross. Because what put us to death is sin. Everyone born after Adam was born in spiritual death, spiritual sin, bondage, the domain of darkness. And it's when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and he rose again on the third day and then he says, now I'm ready to make people spiritually alive. And so saying, I hope, I hope that you are a thankful person. I mean, because it's one thing to thank God for a healthy marriage and a healthy family and kids. Man, praise God for those things. But if you think about it, you've been saved and set free from the domain of darkness. We above all people should be a thankful people. As I close, let me read to you Psalm 100. We open this time of worship with Psalm 100, and I'm going to conclude this message with Psalm 100. Man, saying, if you're feeling down, I would encourage you, read the Psalms. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Can I get an amen? amen. Isn't that great news? Worship team, come on up here. So here's the thing. What we're going to do is we have a chance now to make a joyful noise. We have a chance to sing in his presence. I hope that you believe that God can see you. I hope that you believe God can hear you because he can sing. He loves you. All those in here that are his, he loves you. And as you sing this song,